This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 25th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Graham Ashcraft won 5.1 innings of 200 runs, 5 hits, 3 walks, sorry, 4 walks, and 8 strikeouts against Milwaukee. And you think, oh my gosh, here comes Ashcraft. He was so bad at the beginning. Now he's good again. Well, maybe not as a dusty donut because those 5.1 innings of 200 runs, yay, but 9 base runners. Um, and the eight strikeouts are cool. Is he different? Is he not? No, I don't really think that the uh, the cutter is fixed command-wise. I don't think that the slider is fixed command-wise. I think this is really a, a desperate play each time with Ashcraft. And I feel like especially the eight strikeouts are not something that's real. So I don't really think this is someone you want to latch on to. If you want to, by all means, all oh, this stuff is always so good. Yeah, it's just the command is not what it needs to be. It just isn't. And he's a two-pitch guy without... Either pitch really being elite, and that's really, really scary for me. I don't want to touch Ashcraft. Tarek Skubal, I absolutely do want to do. I was actually talking talking in the stream about next year, saying that I know that I'm going to be higher in on Tarek Skubal because I'm not worried about the innings for next year as long as he continues to keep his velocity up above 95 and featuring this kind of fastball command that we saw yesterday against the Giants. Five innings, zero runs, two hits, zero walks, and nine strikeouts. It's lovely, and as long as the secondaries are decent, and down, which I think also get better over time. Change up slider, curveball. Really, the curveball is just like a show me. Slider and change up really the big elements there. I think they're just gonna get better over time. This is what we generally see, especially with that fastball command. And that foundation is so good. Jake Bird opened for the the Rockies, and who cares? Dean Kramer against the Phillies picked it up um, after last start, which was really bad. Seven innings, one run, three hits, two walks, and three Ks. I didn't really think that his command was so much better. It was, but it wasn't as good as we've seen in the past. Not many whiffs in the four-seamer and cutter. I'm glad that the uh, uh, the secondaries weren't so demolished. I don't know. I didn't really like this from Kramer, but I'm glad he got through it. It was still better than the last start, and that's good. Kenta Maeda against the Mariners is amazing. 6.1 innings of 100 runs, 6 hits, 2 walks, and 8 Ks. Lots of whiffs on the splitter, which meant that the slider then became the called strike pitch again. I do wonder... If Maeda does not have that splitter working, which is going to happen, it's a splitter, is he going to be able to transition that slider into the O-swing pitch? Because he needs to have one. He can't really just do fastballs in the zone and sliders in the zone. He needs to have that splitter as the nullifier, right? So I would love to see a start where Maeda actually showcases that he has the slider whiffs too. It was just 5 over 42. But the fact that he threw 42 sliders that confidently inside the zone for so many called strikes, 43% CSW, fantastic. 
Um, it's just the one element that's like, okay, I feel really good about this, but I know that the splitter's not going to be there, and I wonder what will that what will that look like for Maeda when it isn't. Ryan Yarborough against the Guardians. Great six innings, one hundred runs, six hits, zero walks, one strike. At how am I going to butter my bread with this? We are going to move on. Christopher Sanchez against the Orioles. Seven innings, two hundred runs, four hits, zero walks, and eight Ks. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't picked up Christopher Sanchez already, it's too late now. I uh, Chris Towers was in on it, and I was a little bit questionable of it in the in a tough matchup that he had before. But I, uh, but yeah, then it worked out, and we are in for this. I feel like his changeup is very good. His um, it's a great changeup. Ten whiffs in this one. Uh, sinkers get a lot of good strikes that generate outs and call strikes, and uh, and slider helps. So I feel like you could have a second half like Ranger Suarez of the RPSP uh, variety could be very very interesting there. Luis Castillo ace is going to ace eighteen whiffs for Gallo's pole. His Blake Snell blueprint was so good. It was like he took up the entire strike zone and then dispersed the red in one box and then like the upper half and then the red, the yellow and the and the green and different like he filled up the strike zone and then separated it all out it was beautiful uh colin ray did well against the uh the reds he had a 50 percent o swing on the cutter which is really nice uh but it's just i i don't really think that colin ray is that good maybe he's more the reds actually being a little bit worse than we think when they're on the road um it's still a sub 20 percent strikeout rate for the year at era over one four five uh yeah no thanks uh, Adam Wainwright against the Diamondbacks. Five innings, two hundred runs, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. Adam Wainwright, I'm proud of you. It might be the best start we see from him the entire year because we know that's not going to last. Jose Barrios against the Dodgers. He survived. Five innings, two hundred runs, five hits, four walks, three Ks. Um, nothing was really that good, and he labored through it and he got through it. And good for him for only doing two and runs in five innings. Michael Grove. Uh, I saw something on Twitter about the side of his pants that looked obviously. I uh, like it was sticky stuff and I get that uh, 4.2 innings, two and runs, eight hits, zero walks and six Ks Four seamer wasn't actually badly spotted and the slider was pretty good, but he did. He did hang a decent amount of sliders and cutters that got hit. And then the fastballs that he did get low were hit. It was kind of one of those things that when he made a mistake, the Jays punished him for it. I do want to know about the pants stuff and he did change his pants and he was worse. Apparently um, it's also a pro. I mean, like, the idea that pitchers have nothing on their fingers is not right. They do have rosin. They have they have sweat and rosin. We know this. They are allowed to have it. That stuff is sticky. Can we just can we get over this a little bit? I uh, like it's going to leave residue. And a guy like Michael Grove and many other pitchers too. It's why you see like brims of the hat and stuff. Yeah, they are. They have their tendencies. Where do they go always with their hand after it? Like, I remember things that I used to do. I used to always lick my fingers or I used to always then rub it actually in the pretty much the same place that Michael Grove did. It's going to leave residue. I'm not saying that he didn't add anything else. I'm not saying that's completely false, but you're going to see a lot of this all the time. Uh, and the idea that there is nothing on the guy's hands. No, we know this. It's rosin and sweat. Like there is stuff on the fingers. Every pitcher's fingers. They're allowing them to do it to a certain degree and that's fine i still feel like they should define it more and be like this is it and if you do anything else that's terrible you know uh and like that's it like you literally provide it to them this is what you get to use if you do anything else we're ejecting you that's it right um that that's just how it should be but just instantly seeing any sort of mark on pants where they go every single time I mean, I kind of want to watch it where, like, how is it through the entire game? How much does it get added and whatnot? Like, can you see it evolve over the start? Because that would make sense. We'll see. 
Uh, Ross Stripling against the Tigers. I could be completely wrong, just so you know. I just want you guys to be thinking at least along those lines. It's not instantly that sticky stuff and like, oh my gosh, she's cheating. Not necessarily. Ross Stripling against the Tigers. Six innings, three and runs, ten hits, zero walks, and three strikeouts. That's a very, very poor quality start with three strikeouts. Yet, that's a King Cole. 36% CSW. Also, 87 pitches. I do want to mention a couple things. One, this is a bad start against a terrible offense. So instantly right there, you should feel like I'm out on, on stripling, even though it was a high CSW. So it was 9 over 23 called strikes on sliders and 9 over 33 changeup whiffs, which is very much welcome. I have not seen the changeup look good for stripling for a very long time. I've been saying like, wait, 2022 stri- uh, stripling changeup needs to return and he needs to go a good amount of pitches. We got that. And then he also just didn't have a good thing. It was blaming on the Tigers a little bit here, I think, on a lot of it, even though it was still 10 hits and zero walks. I'm not in on Stripling yet. He needs to dominate with that changeup first, right? Okay, at least he has the opportunity pitch count-wise, and it does look like the changeup's getting better. So at least that's encouraging stuff. Uh, Brandon Bilak, 4.2 innings, 3 in runs, 8 six hits, 4 walks, and 5 strikeouts. He's actually doing the neckbeard approach, but more maybe mutton chops as the four-seamers went too far out east and west. I uh, needs to go a little bit more down with the, the, the chain-ups and really nail those edges with the fastballs. There might be something there. I don't think he's a four-walk guy, and it was also the Rangers. I'm going to keep looking at Brandon Bilak and really follow the matchups a little bit there. Logan Allen, very disappointing against the Royals, but keep in mind, the last start when he had eight strikeouts was a tick and a half down on his velocity, and this was still over a tick as well. He did go seven innings, four and runs, seven hits, zero walks, five Ks. So at least he got five strikeouts, at least he got a one whip. It was foreign runs. That's the one thing you don't want. You don't like the loss either. So he does get the White Sox, and I think you're going with that. Just please get the velocity back, Logan Allen, and hopefully uh, you have more to rely on with your uh, with your secondaries. Also, the four-seamer was just kind of everywhere and not really well-spotted inside the zone. Quinn Priester against the Padres is not someone we want to go for. 5.1 innings, foreign runs, four hits, three walks, four Ks. Yeah, there's nothing really to latch on to whatsoever. Uh, Patrick Corbin against Rocky Road, 6.1 innings, 5 earned runs, 10 hits, 2 walks, 5 Ks. It's Corbin. Okay. Uh, even though it was against Rocky Road. Ryan Nelson against the Cardinals. Cardinals are really hot right now. Yes. Also, Ryan Nelson's changeup is not very good um, at the moment. And the cutter that was really performed well last time is not actually very good. So we move on from uh, Ryan Nelson, and we don't really consider that. The last two here are very frustrating. One more so than the other. Uh, least is John Gray. Actually, he's kind of interesting. He went against the Astros, which you understand that that was not a start to do. I've been stashing John Gray in the Legacy League for a reason, because I do feel that actually in the middle of August or so, you're going to want John Gray again. And five innings, six earned runs, seven hits, three walks, six Ks against Astros. I'm not going to start him. However, I'm waiting for that moment of John Gray to get locked in, because this is what happens every single year, is he has these like three, four weeks of bliss, and then there's an interruption of some kind. He gets disrupted, whether it's paternity leave, whether it's maybe it's the All-Star break, maybe it's... Uh, a blister or the IL or whatever it is, and he has to recoup and get back into the rhythm. Now, the slider was insane yesterday. And what's kind of funny to me is that he threw 63% sliders. I love it. It was a really good pitch. And he allowed seven hits. Guess how many of them were on sliders and how many of them were on the fastball that was thrown just uh, under about 30% of the time. Five hits were on the fastball, two on the slider. His slider allowed hits on 4% of the sliders thrown. His fastball, 20%. Ah! So, yeah, the fastball made a lot of mistakes in the middle of the zone. And they hit that, right? John Gray is only... The last thing here is just get that four-seamer upstairs, please. And if you can do that, 
like he did it before. That would work. Also, 63% sliders and still having a 31% CSW and 23% swing strike rate is so good. Do not compare a slider throwing that throwing 63% of the time to a slider that's thrown 20 to 30% of the time. If you can execute sliders 63% of the time at 31% CSW and a 23% swing strike rate, that is so much more valuable than the 20% one because you're doing it three times more for still success. Cool? That means you got to make up 40% of pitches that have that success, right? Okay. And then there's you, Darvish. So disappointing. I've been so pleased and so excited about what we've seen from Darvish the last two starts. The new approach, the focus, the the command, the whole thing was just like, I don't know. It, it was a new man. It was uh, <laughs> it was one of the more exciting things. It's like hatchling. Um, this born again, you know, like Phoenix rising from the ashes, right? And uh, as it's called, rising in the ashes, SP Roundup. And you, Darvish, against the Pirates, 4.1 innings, seven earned runs, eight hits, three walks, three Ks. What happened? I mean, four home runs, two from Carlos Santana, sure. But this was not, he was not following what he did the last two starts. It was, it was just different. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he lost faith in certain things. Maybe he just didn't have the same feel. It's rough. It's really annoying. And uh, now he gets Texas. Um, I hope that he can look at the game against the Jays and really return to that. I do feel that Darvish is someone who is not going to just take this lightly and just like keep doing the same thing. Um, I, and I do also want to mention that it was a very rough road trip for them and like tiring and to get back home is nice, but like maybe he can breathe now for a second. I don't know. I'm trying to justify this. I'm going to still start him against Texas. We've said for a long time that he's really good regardless of opposition. And as long as he executes the, uh, the game plan that we had before, I think that he can come through. All right, before we get to the streaming picks of today and tomorrow, uh, this podcast is sponsored by underdog sports and join underdog fantasy today with promo code PitcherList and receive 100% deposit match up to $100. We're going to talk about the pick them that they have. So there are three pitchers today that I'm going to pick. It's going to be Griffin Canning uh, above six strikeouts, uh, Domingo Herman uh, above 5.5 strikeouts and Aaron Savali under 94.5 pitch count. I think the injury and the reduced velocity of Savali is going to get him out before then. Uh, Domingo Herman, I think is in such a good place with his curveball. And Griffin Canning's secondary stuff against the Tigers it seems really good. Uh, and it's a very simple game of just above or below. You don't really need to make a full lineup with Underdog. It's very simple. So you must be 18 or older or 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona. 19 or older in uh, Alabama and New Nebraska. Uh, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP 1-800-639-8783 or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in New York call the 24-7 HOPE line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 and in Tennessee call or text Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 Looking forward to today and tomorrow's streamers. We have Tyler Glasnow, Corbin Burns, Blake Snell, Pablo Lopez, George Kirby, Justin Verlander, and Julio Urias with Andrew Abbott at the bottom with another start against the Milwaukee Brewers. I know it's a good matchup, but he's I think this is the third time he's facing the Brewers, and 
I feel like he needs to do something different again. He just had a really good start with great command and, and sweeper command. I don't think that's going to stick. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that one goes for Abbott. Uh, while Urias against the Jays, I think we still go with it. I think he pitched just fine over the weekend, uh, last weekend, and it should be much better. Um, otherwise, everything else is just a very, very clear. Uh, probable start tier, you have Charlie Morton, Alex Cobb, Eduardo Rodriguez, our stream pick of the day, Griffin Canning against the Tigers, which I absolutely love. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, Domingo Herman, and Chris Bassett. So, Morton could be in the top tier because it's the Red Sox, uh, or just that it's Charlie Morton, but it is the Red Sox who have been pretty good at Fenway. Uh, Alex Cobb against the Athletics, as long as he has a splitter, it works, but if he doesn't, then he better have a slider. If he doesn't, that could still be bad. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez against the Angels, he's in a good place with his command. Angels strike out a ton. It is a little risky considering that if Otani hits home runs, or really, like, the Angels are super dangerous, um, where they have this good WRC Plus last 14 days, but they also strike out a ton, so we'll see. Um, Griffin Canning is in such a good place for his strikeout totals, that's why I picked him there. Uh, and uh, Kyle Hendricks has a really good command with the White Sox. Ming Herman again, it's the Mets. I feel like lots of strikeouts are going to happen there as they take changeups and fastballs. And Chris Bassett against the Dodgers, I feel like if you have Bassett, you just kind of start him. Just don't overthink it. Uh, with the questionable start here, it's Edward Cabrera against the Rays. The Rays are cooler right now, and so that might work out well. You might still want to do it with Edward Cabrera. It's just that if he doesn't have enough fastball strikes, this might be just five innings, or they, the Rays might actually make him work a little too much. Uh, Taiwan Walker against the Orioles. It's Taiwan Magic right now. I don't really know if I really want to do that, but there you go. Steven Matz against the Diamondbacks, 95 mile per hour sinkers upstairs are working, but change-ups and curveballs down, we'll see. Aaron Savali against the Royals normally would be higher, but that low velocity, 4.5 ticks down last time, is just terrifying. Uh, Merrill Kelly, it's a still ill against the Cardinals, who are hot right now. Hopefully, he does have the command he had before with that change-up and fastball. Kyle Gibson against the Phillies, who knows where he's going to get. Michael Kopech against the Cubs. The Cubs aren't very good, but Kopech has been very, very shaky. Uh, and the do not start tier, it's Pavetta, but it's against Atlanta. J.B. France against the Rangers, uh, not a good matchup whatsoever. Trevor Williams, Kim Waldachuk, Rich Hill, Austin Gomber, Zach Greinke, and Cody Bradford are very obvious sits. Looking forward to tomorrow's games, Spencer Strider, Zach Gallen, Joe Ryan, Zach Eflin, Framber Valdez. Very, very clear auto starts. And Bryce Miller against the Twins, that's cool with me. And yes, Valdez against the Rangers, absolutely. As a lefty, easier. Freddie Peralta against the Reds. I feel like Peralta's in a much better place than the results have been, and the Reds are on the road, which is better for Peralta. Then you have Sandy Alcantara against the Rays. The Rays are cooler um, than they used to be, and Sandy Alcantara's changeup, I think, is looking as good as we could hope for. Probable start tier, you might want to put Carlos Rodon in that top tier. I pretty much would, but I do recognize that some want to wait for him to have an, a dominant start, and I might be too biased in favor of Rodon and not recognizing that he really hasn't done it for three starts yet, and he might want to wait just for one and then get him in there. Gavin Williams is a stream pick of the day. I'm shocked that you can do that against the Royals. That feels like such a good outing. Fastball should dominate the top of the zone, and hopefully this, the secondaries are good enough at the bottom instead of being hung up as well. Uh, Seth Lugo against the Pirates should be a pretty easy start for you to do. Just as I have, the, I think, the same strikeout upside, and the Pirates have been kind of weird with home runs and stuff. So he's underneath Gavin Williams, but honestly, you could flip them, and that's fine with me. Uh, Strowman against the White Sox should be fine. Don't overthink the recent stretches of Strowman. Uh, Kyle Brash has been doing so well with that with that slider, and also the curveball getting incorporated, and not allowing hits on the early balls and play with the fastballs, which is great. That's against Philly. And Jack Flaherty has just been fine, and the Diamondbacks aren't too scary at the moment, so we go with that. Questionable start is massive. Uh, Lance Lynn against the Cubs. I know, right? It should be probable, but Lance Lynn has been ridiculous and just whatever at this point. And so, fine, if you want to chase strikeouts, go ahead. But, like, I'm kind of done with it. Uh, Patrick Sandoval against Michael Lorenzen. Take your side. I'm going with Sandoval. 
as the Tigers are less dangerous than the Angels and also has, I think, more upside in that changeup and slider. While Lorenzen is not nearly as good as you think with just two starts against elite offenses this entire season, the Angels, it could go either way here, but they have been much hotter, as I mentioned before. And even though they strike out a ton, that's not Lorenzen's MO, which might make it better for the Angels here. Uh, Johan Oviedo against the Padres. Hopefully, he can get called strikes on those four-seamers and allow the slider to cook. We'll see. I don't really like this. I don't like any of these here. Uh, Hogan Harris against the Giants. He's not as good as that last start against the Astros. That was really weird from a skill standpoint. So many bad pitches in the middle of the zone you got away with. But the Giants are just so bad right now. So, I guess you can maybe do this. I don't know. That's up to you. I don't want to do it. Yusei Kikuchi has an improved curveball. But it's the Dodgers. Jose Quintana's back from the IL had better command than I expected with a four-seamer, but the changeup and curveball were not, and I feel like we need another start or two to actually feel confident here, but the Yankees aren't that scary, so maybe you want to do that with Jose Quintana. Uh, Tony Gonsolin gets the Jays. I don't think that Tony Gonsolin's that good, and the Jays can really punish you. Uh, Ranger Spores is not in a good groove right now, and the Orioles could jump on him. Uh, Andrew Heaney is a strikeout play against the Astros. It's a complete dart throw there. Jake Irvin could go six innings against Rocky Road. Uh, but if he's not throwing 95-96 and he doesn't have a really good curveball, that could be really tough regardless. But there's some upside there that I'm going to put him in the questionable start tier. And Brian Bayo, we're seeing him down here, but it's against Atlanta. So that's why we put him at the bottom of questionable. And do not start tier. Alec Marsh, I don't really like where the four-seamer's at. Maybe the slider comes through, but Guardians do not strike out, and I feel like that's just not a good start for you. Alex Wood against Oakland seems like it should be good. Alex Wood just hasn't, and he doesn't go very long, and I don't want to do it. Ben Lively is better than I've been giving him credit lately, but the slider's still not very good. He might not go long in this one against the Brewers. I don't want to touch it, and Peter Lambert, absolutely not. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for your support. And remember, if you are a database engineer, we want to meet you. Go to pitchwells.com slash hiring. See the whole job description. Reach out to us at info at pitchwells.com. We have a part-time position that could turn into full-time um, if that is uh, your skill set. And if you want to be here, uh, creating some amazing things with us here at PitcherList. This could be uh, a fantastic fit. All right, that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.